Well, good morning again. Um, one of the things that we have said early on and one of the things, that, one of our goals this year is that we would raise up more leaders and that we um, would be pouring into people and seeing, oh, be careful. There you go. We didn't burn anything down. We're good. No flowers are burned. Um, and so one of the things that we want to do is we want to not just see one church planted, but we want to see multiple churches planted in this city. Um, we want to see the good news of the gospel be able to li- be lived out throughout everyday life um, all throughout this city. And so we're committed to that. We're committed to not just building one church, but to building multiple churches that would that would live out the gospel. And so well, one of the things as, as part of that is we need to raise up leaders. And so this morning, we've, I've asked Jeff to speak um, and to share on Easter. Um, and Jeff is one of our interns, if you don't know that. He's one of our um, church planting interns. And so what better time for him to learn how to teach um, than on Easter? Jeff has taught many times for those of you who have been here as well. Um, but I'm excited um, for him to come and share the good news of the gospel with us this morning. And so let me pray for Jeff, and then, um, and then we'll jump into to the book of John. Father, thank you that you love us. We thank you for your spirit. I pray that your spirit would empower Jeff to teach us, that you would remind us of the good news of the gospel this morning, and that you would call us um, to deeper faith and deeper hope uh, and repentance in an area of our life that, that we need to repent. And so, Father, I pray that you um, would call us to that and that you would give us your, your spirit uh, to be able to live that out. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for that intro trip. Can you guys hear me? Just good? Okay, cool. Um, my name's Jeff. Happy to be here. I'm so thankful that I get to uh, teach you guys and be with you guys on Easter. This is the, the best news of the entire year, um, and so I'm glad I'm able to um, hopefully be a part of God um, encouraging us this morning. Uh, we've been going through the book of John for the past few months now, and so uh, we've been going through basically all of Jesus' life uh, since he started his ministry around age 30. And it's been said multiple times today already, so I'm going to say it again, though. This is the, the biggest uh, holiday we have as Christians. Uh, this is bigger than uh, Christmas, where we celebrate Jesus' birth. Uh, this is bigger than other holidays, like Thanksgiving, where you, we eat till we have a food coma. Um, at least in the U.S. we do. Um, and... and I know a lot of us today are new, um, and we're coming from different walks of life. L.A. is one of the most diverse cities in the world, um, one of them at least, definitely one of the most in the U.S. And so some of you may be coming uh, from a background where you would, con- you would uh, say you're a Christian and you believe Jesus was God. Um, some of you may be coming from a background where you grew up um, in a Christian home, um, and now you uh, kind of do your own thing, want to live your life, but on Easter you maybe want to respect uh, the faith that you grew up with. Um, some of you may say, you know what, I don't know what this is, but I want to I explore it and I want to check it out. So wherever you're at today, I'm happy you're here. We get to explore um, the most uh, crucial part of the Bible, the most crucial part of Jesus' life today together. Um, and I would pray that he would encourage and teach each one of us um, so, similar to how a lot of um, great movies have been done in the past where they'll say the, the end first, and uh, you don't always know in those movies that it is the end. Oh man, I was about to use an example, but it's a recent movie, so I won't give a spoiler. That was close. Recent movie I saw, I loved it, but I won't, I won't say it. Um, you can ask me later if you want to know what the end is. Um, but today, 
we are going to be talking about Jesus rising from the dead, physical resurrection, and we're going to see a few of his interactions with his disciples, his closest followers. And his followers were not these super Christians. They were not these unattainable people. They were actually struggling and, and, and just confused and scared, and they didn't know what was going on in life. Some of them were questioning whether even Jesus was who he said he was after spending three years of seeing him do all these amazing things. And what I want us to walk away with today is, first off, that uh, if Jesus was who he said he was, he did rise from the dead. And if he didn't, he wasn't, he wasn't anything, and he was just a crazy guy. Um, but if he was, then similar to us, how we struggle in our fear, our doubt, our anxiety, we don't know what the purpose of life is, we don't know what's next for us. If he was who he said he was, there is hope there is joy, there is a power for us, there is a peace for us that surpasses all knowledge. And so that's where we're going today. And it's because of the resurrection um, that all of that is true. So I also want to point out before we start um, that the resurrection was absolutely necessary. First uh, Corinthians, the Bible even says it. Paul, one, the guy who wrote one of the most, um, most of the New Testament, said in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, Christians are to be the most pitied of all people. So, if he didn't rise from the dead, Paul's like, man, <laughs> we're in trouble. We're spending a lot of time for something that, that didn't actually happen. But if he did, then everything is true, like every said, like Tripp said. And so, to understand the, the, why the resurrection matters, not only from Jesus' life, but we need to look at the whole story. Because God is a God who works not only just in that week or two, but He's actually working from the very beginning of time. He knows what He's doing. He's the same God in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament. And so what I want to do is just really quickly, just in a few minutes, we're going to skip a lot of details. So sorry for those of you who I may skip a story or two here and there. But we're going to go over why the resurrection matters from the very beginning of time. I love visuals, so I wanted to bring up this oversized whiteboard that is just huge. So uh, we'll see how it works today. Uh, I know we don't, normally don't do this. But where this story starts is in the garden. Technically before the garden. You see God. Forgive my writing as well. It's not great. I thought about Ali coming up here to, to be my writer, but I figured I'd just wing it. So you have God. And he creates us, humans, in the garden. But he doesn't just throw creation down on the earth and say, okay, cool, like they'll do their thing. But he actually is in relationship with them. It's an intimate relationship. They, like he is hanging out with them. He's spending time with them. He's telling them who they are, why they were created, which was to worship him in everything they did. And it was a very good thing. And so what happens? He says, there's one thing not to do. Don't eat from this tree. If you eat from this tree, you will experience death. Death, they probably didn't fully know what death was, but it definitely wasn't a good thing like what God was. So what happens? They eat from this tree. They eat from the tree, and in so doing, they really stopped trusting the giver of life, but they actually started trusting themselves. 
And so what we see here in that moment of them starting to say, God, I don't trust you anymore. I trust myself more. I want to no longer worship you, but I think I'm, I, can, I can be Lord of my life. That's sin. That's where sin comes in. And, and that's what sin is. It's not these uh, a million rules that we have to follow, and if we follow them, we're perfect. It's sin is ultimately us not trusting God and not worshiping God and saying we are enough, we are worthy, we are Lord. So what happens? Relationship is broken. And there's this, like, there's this separation here, right? There's, there's this brokenness. And now the people are separated from God. So the giver of life, who gave them life, breathed them into existence, they're separated. And so not only that, but they, they offended God, who has only given them everything good. And so they, that, that offense... That, that like saying, forget you, I'm going to take your good gifts and I'm going to try to do my own thing with them because I trust myself a bit more, it is worthy of death because God is infinitely good. It's a concept that is sometimes hard to wrap our minds around. We, won't, we can't stay there for long. Um, and I'm staying there too long right now. <laughs> but, uh, but as they're separated from the giver of life, they no longer have life. They're going to experience death. So that's where the story starts. But God, he pursues relationship with man. We're going to skip a, a long while ahead. But he starts to pursue men through a, a group of people called the Israelites. And he sets up a system. This is a house or a temple. Uh, for those of you here, I'll move this. He sets up a system to be with his people, to spend time with his people, to be in relationship with his people again. But they are constantly sinning. They're constantly saying, God, we, we love you, we love you. And then, no, we don't love you that much. We want to do our own thing. So they keep sinning and they keep uh, having this offense against God that needs to be paid for. So he sets up a, a sacrificial system um, to pay for this sin constantly. But the thing is, is they keep sacrificing and the sacrifices are never enough. So they keep uh, offending God and, and, uh, and being deserving of death. They sacrifice to pay for that and they keep sinning. And so it's a system that constantly, uh, it's just like rinse, wash, repeat over and over again. Okay? And, and so it's clearly not enough. And God says, I'm going to bring a Messiah that's going to pay for that. I'm going to bring a Messiah, uh, a Christ that's going to restore relationship. He, he's going to die He's going to be the ultimate death. Isaiah 53 says that he takes on our transgressions to make many righteous. And so God's like promising this thing for, for years and years and years. And the Israelites keep continuing in this struggle. Um, and then we fast forward quite a while and we see Jesus come on the scene. We're getting there. <laughs> and so we, we see Jesus come on the scene. And he, first off, is born and is living a perfect life. He proclaims to be God. And uh, people start, some prophets actually call him, hey, he's going to be the Passover lamb, which sounds very similar to what God's been promising hundreds of years before. That's like when the U.S. was founded. Let's say our founding fathers made a promise. That was like a couple hundred years ago. We still have a couple hundred years until we start seeing that promise come to fruition. This is like what the Israelites were waiting for. It was hundreds of years. But we see Jesus come on, and he's actually starting to fulfill these prophecies that God made about him. And he actually starts saying, he tells his followers, he says, I'm going to be a ransom for many. He basically starts spelling out what the purpose of his life is going to be for. Um, and then, furthermore, even closer to his death, he starts telling his disciples, I'm going to die and I'm going to rise again in three days later. 
that's that's kind of crazy. Like <laughs> either he is uh, unfortunately wrong and he's going to die, or he was God and who he says he was because he started claiming to be God as well. And so that's where we revisited on Good Friday, um, where he then is betrayed and crucified and killed. And his disciples were so confused. Because in their mind, the Messiah would not just save them from some heart stuff, but save them from politically and socioeconomically from Rome and the other people oppressing them. And so all of his disciples were at this point uh, of being like, man, I, I don't know what's going on. They, they were missing the point. And so this is where we're at. We're in this tension in the story that we're at, in the verse that we're at, of if Jesus rises... Like what Tripp was saying, this is bigger than anything he's done before. But if he hasn't, okay, it's not. Let's continue on. And so this is where we're at in the story. This is the tension that we're at. So I'll pick up in verse 20, or not verse 20, in John 20, uh, verse 1. And it says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple and the one whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going towards the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple, which is John, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping in to look in, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloths cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand Scripture that he must rise from the dead. And then the disciples went back to their homes." So this is the first day of the week. This is a Sunday. It's the third day after Jesus was dead. And Mary goes uh, to the tomb for uh, burial preparations. And it, it mentioned that they didn't understand Scripture. And that was simply a reference to what we've just talked about. How all of Scripture was saying Jesus was going to rise again and be their sacrifice. But they, they didn't connect all the dots yet. They were, they were in confusion. They basically missed that this was the biggest event in the history of of the world. That God had been saying since the garden, I am going to I'm going to restore this. So when Jesus rises from the dead, he's actually he's he's it's a declaration over this sin, over this over this barrier that has been between us and God for for so so long. It's this declaration that he's defeated death and that, and that now we are connected with, with our source of life again. So, this is ultimately peace that's brought to us. A peace that surpasses all knowledge and understanding. Because we no longer have to look to the things of this world, like our jobs, our families, our friends, which, which if we're honest, often leave us in this, in this cycle of frustration, figuring things out. Our marriages aren't always perfect. We no longer have to look to those things to ultimately fulfill us, because now we have the one who's created us to be in perfect relationship again. 
So now, we're back to here through the work of Jesus. Ephesians 2 says it best. Um, And if you have your phone or if you have your Bible, I'd encourage you, I'll take a second, you can turn there. Because I know it's helpful. And we have this whiteboard here that's probably blocking the entire screen for half 50 of you. Um, So if you want to take a second, Ephesians 2, verse 12, we're going to start in. You guys getting there? Okay. Um, So Ephesians 2, verse 12, it says, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So he was basically saying, remember how you guys were had this like clear barrier between the one who made you? He continues in verse 13. He says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once uh, were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two and so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. That he, he killed the hostility that was between us and God so that we would have peace again. We would have a peace that surpasses, once again, all knowledge and understanding, a peace that surpasses all of the broken relationships that we have or all the struggles that we have, that He would be our peace once again. Elsewhere, the same author in Romans says that we were actually, uh, he says it in a different way, he says we were adopted into God's family again. Being sons and daughters... Not able to be separated from our Father once again. But we actually were adopted into His family, and that that makes us family. And that's why we say that we are a family together, because we are all sons and daughters of God by the blood of Christ. And so God rightly had this hostility against us. And because our sin led to death, Jesus died in our place. I mean, do any of you ever question like what the purpose of life is or the season that you're in? What are you really doing? Do any of you maybe feel like the things that you're working so hard for aren't actually fulfilling you? They're actually maybe leaving you a bit more empty than when you started? I said it. It's the same message that we're saying the whole day. It's because He was meant to be our fulfillment. He was meant to be our love, our perfect, like His perfect love, His perfect purpose for our lives was the only thing that can fill that, that void that all these things aren't filling that well. They're filling a little bit here and there, if we're honest. When I do well at work, I may be happy for a little while. When I, you know, our marriage is going well with Allie and I, it's great. But when those things aren't going so well, what do we do? It's because they were meant to be ultimately fulfilled by God, and everything else is just a response to our, our love that we've already received from the Father. So, that's what the resurrection is, and so, let's actually look at what the response to that is from the disciples. 
Because, like I said before, the disciples are, don't get all this yet. They're still struggling. They're still figuring things out. And so we pick back up in verse 11. Um, and we see Mary. So the other disciples had went home after they saw the tomb was empty. And it says, But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him. I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. It's one word, Mary. She turned and said to him in, in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. So we continue on to see the second interaction of of the day. On the evening of that same day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, And the disciples were glad, and they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So Mary and the disciples were clearly sad and distraught. Mary was weeping. Jesus, who they'd been following for the past three years, had been uh, basically considered a threat to the crown of Caesar, the, like the the strongest, most like superpower of the world that day. And so clearly, like if any of us were in those shoes, like we'd probably be like, "Oh man, what's going to happen?" Like the literally the 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 ones who had all of the power, along with the Jewish leaders who also had a lot of power, just crucified our leader. So they're understandably so pretty scared. And they're not quite getting what Jesus had been saying all along. And Jesus pursues both of them in the same way that God had been pursuing humans throughout all of history. So... With Mary, Jesus steps in, and he doesn't just say, Mary, come on, like, I said I would rise again, it's all good. Oftentimes, guys, if I'm honest, uh, tr- just saying, like, the truth is, like, the easier thing to do for me. I'm not always the most, um, Allie would say, not always the most, like, gentle when people are struggling, be like, hey, cool, there's good news, it's okay. But Jesus just says, he gently comes up to her and he says, Mary, like, I'm here with you, Right? This is the posture of God towards people that are hurting and struggling and trying to figure out what's going on. And so the disciples, in the same vein, they're 
they may be sad, but from the verse, what we can see is they are terrified. They have, they have the door locked. They're in the upper room. They probably don't know what's going to happen. They don't know if, if the Romans are going to come knocking on the door, if the, if the Jews are going to come knocking on the door, or if Jesus is going to come knocking on the door and be like, guys, why are you so scared and sad? Like, why did you deny me? <laughs> you know? Um, but what we see, once again, is God's posture towards people. And I would say probably a lot of us who are trying to figure out life, who are trying, who are maybe scared, maybe confused, maybe trying to figure out what to do next. And Jesus steps into their situation and he says, peace be with you. He says it twice, actually. He steps in and he says, peace be with you. He doesn't stand on the outside and, and say, guys, the Bible says a hundred times, don't be afraid because I'm God. He steps in and he says, I, I understand you're afraid, but I, I brought peace for you. And what this means for us today is I was praying, I think this is some of the best news um, because we have an advocate in Jesus who can go where others cannot go to secure our peace. More than friends, more than family, more than counselors, there is no uh, depths, there is no layers that Jesus cannot penetrate and be with you in. Because if I'm honest, life is complex. There are many layers uh, to us and to the world that we don't understand. Like, why do we act the way we do? Why are we afraid of the things we're afraid of? Right? Like, wh- why, do, why, why did I just hurt someone I love? Or why did someone that, that I love hurt me? Or, it, you're in L.A., why did someone just like cut me off and honk at me and flip me off? <laughs> right? Like there's a lot of things that we just don't understand. But the good news of the resurrection is that, and what we're seeing now, is that Jesus is not bound by the things we are. He is actually able to go through any layer, through any complexity. He went to death and back to conquer this separation that we have. And, man, if, I'm, it's a good thing I'm a Jesus. If I was Jesus, I probably would have been like, look at how much I did. But hopefully they follow me now. Like, come on, look at everything I just don't. Like, but Jesus, he conquered death on behalf of us. And then he steps into their sin, their struggle, their fears. And he says, I'm here. Let's walk in this new life together. He says this to us. I'm here. Let's walk in this new life together that I've purchased for you. Oh, you're struggling? Oh, you're stumbling in life? It's okay. I'm here to remind you that my death actually paid for not only all of your past sins, but also all of your future sins. So now, let's continue to walk together in this life I'm calling you on. Like, we can turn to Him because of the resurrection and because of Him paying for our sins before God, we are no longer separated from the giver of life like Adam and Eve were. We have complete life and peace in Him and all of, our, all of our struggles, all of our fears, all of our doubts in life that you guys may be having are forever answered by the one who's conquered the, the, the worst thing that can happen to us, death. So now we have peace and hope and joy. And that's so comforting to me 
in this life. And He doesn't just give them peace, but He, he doesn't just give them peace like now and say, okay, you have this peace, continue on. He, he continues to act the same, and He gives them a power to actually walk in that peace. And so we see uh, Jesus not only say, peace be with you, but He says in verse uh, 22, He says, receive the Holy Spirit, and He breathes on them. And so what we see is these men are hiding in the upper room, scared. And then the Holy Spirit, who's, who is God in spirit, meant to dwell within us, meant to remind us constantly of who God is. Before, the people did not have the Holy Spirit indwelling in them, but now because that wall of hostility has been destroyed, we get to have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us to actually empower us in this life. And so what we see that actually look like is these guys who were scared in this upper room a few weeks later get filled with the Holy Spirit and now they are walking in the streets of Jerusalem no longer scared, but have a hope. And now they're preaching the gospel to in the streets of Jerusalem and 5,000 people come to believe that Jesus was God and that He did rise from the dead and that He was their Savior. I'm not saying that all of us need to start doing a, a prayer walk into the streets of L.A. necessarily. But we see that the Holy Spirit reminds us of the resurrection and turns our fear in, into hope, turns our sadness into joy. It means that we have absolute peace with God again. And He can dwell with us. This is something that I need to be reminded of every day. This is something that not only, if you've never believed in Jesus, uh, and this is who Jesus was, not only do you need to hear that, but also anyone who who's already believed in Jesus needs to constantly be reminded of this. Like, it's such good news, because we often, we often like, look to everyone else's love to earn, but now we realize that the one who's formed us has literally gone to the depths of death and back to reunite us because of his love. So we have a perfect love. No longer, when we're feeling broken, do we have to say, man, this is probably all that's left for me. How can I defeat this? How can I get over this? Because we see that Jesus went through brokenness and back to healing, and now he's Lord over that and is the deliverer through our brokenness. I mean, what fears are too big to overwhelm us? Or what fears are just too large for us? Jesus is here, and He not only says peace to you guys, but and to me, but He also says, I'm going to actually give you a power to actually remember that peace and to walk in that peace. Because we're forgetful people, right? We, we need a, a help. We need someone to continue to re- bring us back to this awesome news day in and day out. So this is the good news of the resurrection today. Um, I hope this is good news. I've seen one or two smiles out here, but but it is great, great news. John finishes this chapter uh, with saying, now in verse 30, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. 
So John is just like, he just says it. He just like, he's writing to the church, um, and probably non-believers will be reading it too, and he just is like, hey guys, I'm writing this so that you would believe Jesus was who he said he was. That you would believe Jesus was God, that he rise from the dead, and that we would have new life in him. And that's what our call is today. We're going to have a time of uh, response that trip will lead us in. But I just want to leave you guys. I mean, if, if you've never believed that you've needed a Savior, never maybe thought about who Jesus was, never realized that there is a brokenness and seen that it was an offense against a God who loves us, but Jesus has paid the way for that, would you believe that Jesus was who he said he was today? If so, there are people around you to, to talk with and pray with. I'll be in the back. If you have professed Jesus as God today, and you would say, yes, he is my Savior, I'm a Christian, I'd encourage you to take your worries, your fears, your doubts that you may be walking into today with, and to bring them before a risen and victorious Lord. There is nowhere he cannot go. He is, he is there with each one of us. And so I want to remind us of this peace and power that we have that's been won by not only Jesus dying, but then him rising again. So let me pray. Um, Jesus, I just thank you so much that, uh, that you have done all of this to bring us back into relationship with you so that we may worship you in all of life and glorify you in all of life. God, I would pray um, for people who've never believed this before as well as for all of us maybe who have, that we would, we would be, Spirit, you'd be reminding us of the good news of the resurrection today, its truth and also its implications in every single area of our lives. Thank you so much for um, allowing us to gather here as a family. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.